1: It's time. It's time. Time to get in the zone. time to get in the zone. With the 49ers web zone. This is the No Huddle Podcast with Al and Brian.
0: This is another edition of the 49ers Web Zone. No Huddle Podcast, part of the Odyssey family. I'm Al Sacco. Brian Renick will be with us a little bit later for an NFC championship game preview show. And I do not take getting to do these shows for granted. And as we start to look at this this game, we're going to reach across the aisle. We're going to get some insights from someone who covers the Lions for 97.1 The Ticket. He's been covering the team for over 10 years. He is Jeff Rieger. Jeff, thanks for taking the time.
1: Al, how are you? Exciting week, eh? This is wild. I mean, you guys are used to this. <laughs> not yeah, so we're else.
0: looking... We're looking for some better results this time around. I think it's been seven times in the last 13 years they've been in the NFC Championship. But how exciting is it for the Lions? I was just telling Brian earlier, if it were any other team, I would be rooting for the Lions 100% here. Because they're such a great story. But it's the Niners, so I got to, you know, my my allegiance is there. But they've been just a phenomenal story. And Dan Campbell, I got to start out with Campbell. Because Jeff, when, when he does his opening press conference, I'm watching it. and I'm thinking to myself. This guy's talking about biting kneecaps off. He's going to be a train wreck. He's going to be gone in a year and a half. I can't wait to just see, you know, the dumpster fire that is this tenure. But then as his initial season goes on, you see the team playing really hard for him. And then you get to hear Campbell talk and you see the passion. And I can't help but be a fan of this guy. And lo and behold, three years later, he's a really good head coach, too. And he's brought the Lions to somewhere they haven't been in a long time. What's your impression of Dan Campbell through the three years of covering him?
1: Yeah, so I'll just be honest. I mean, when he did the whole biting kneecap thing, I might have been with everybody else like, oh, God, the Lions have an awful <laughs> history of hiring head coaches. Every head coach, we have this term in Detroit, it's called Lionized, where you just see it in their eyes. They're done. And no other Detroit head coach ever gets another job. Like if you look it up. Nobody yeah. goes on, whether it be Marinelli, whether it be Morningwig, Mariucci, a lot of M's apparently, like Jim Caldwell, none of these, Matt Patricia, none of these guys have gone on to get another head coaching gig. Jim Schwartz is another one, the DC over in Cleveland. And I do think coming from Patricia and Quinn that a lot of people looked at Dan Campbell and were like, are you kidding me with this guy? Like biting kneecaps? But what you need to go back to is what happened before that comment, because he had a message for Detroit and he wasn't talking to the world. He was talking to Detroit and his message was, listen, I know you're sick of this crap, but he said the S word. I don't know if I'm allowed to swear, but you can swear. He said, I can't. Oh, he's like, I know you're sick of this shit. Okay. But, but it's going to be better. I know you don't want to hear talk, but we will make a promise that it's going to be better. And you know, it's gotten better. The first year they were 313 and one. As you mentioned, they really started to be a more physical team towards the end of things. The second year, they started one and six. The owner Sheila Ford Hamp had to tell the media it's gonna be okay. Then they went eight and two in their final ten. And then this year, I mean, it's been outstanding so much that Dan Campbell has kept receipts and he's told the doubters of him and his coaching staff that he doesn't want you being a Lions fan. The train has left the station, and you're too late. So I think some Lions fans took that as like, oh, really? I've been a fan for like ever, and all you guys have ever done is torment us. So I think I'm allowed to be a fan, but Campbell's been outstanding, and all his guys love playing for him. And I do think like in the offseason, guys are going to want to come to Detroit because they hear how great it is to play for Dan Campbell.
0: Yeah, and I feel like a large part of the success this year with the Lions has been some of these rookies that they brought in. So Sam Laporta, Jameer Gibbs, who scares the hell out of me as a 49ers fan this weekend. Um, <laughs> Branch, how important have these guys been? Are you surprised that they made this impact so soon?
1: Well, so I think that's more of a Brad Holmes thing, too. The GM, Brad Holmes, the head coach, Dan Campbell, the front office has been outstanding. And it's weird because they hired Campbell before they hired Holmes, not too often you hear an organization will hire the coach and then we'll hire the GM, which is kind of bizarre. But it's been outstanding because Brad Holmes, some of the guys you mentioned, have really worked out. Like Jameer Gibbs is a prime example. Running back from Alabama catches the ball out of the backfield as well. They took him in the first round. Nobody takes a running back in the first round. Mm-hmm. And the fans here in Detroit were like, are you kidding me? You can get a running back in the fourth round, the fifth round, the sixth round. Don't take a running back in the first round. And I think people doubted Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell. And and you see how good Jameer Gibbs has been. Like, it's taken a couple of weeks to get going, to start the season. Then he got injured for, I want to say, two weeks. And since then, he's been outstanding. And you saw the 21-yard run he had against Tampa Bay. You saw Mm -hmm. what he did against the Rams in the postseason as well. So am I surprised that these guys have been good? Absolutely. Like if you go back to that Bucks game, the divisional round, Brian branch, the leading tackler, that is a rookie. Correct. Uh, Jameer Gibbs, the leading rusher. That is a rookie. I mean, it's been all these young guys, Sam Laporta, the leading receiver, a rookie. So mm-hmm. it's pretty wild. You usually don't see a guy hit so many picks in the draft, but Brad Holmes really has. And, And that is why this team has been so good. It's been their homegrown talent.
0: And then Jared Goff's been really good for this team too. And with Jared Goff, there comes a lot of criticism. I feel like there's a lot of moving the goalposts for him, similar to what we see kind of with Brock Purdy. You know, it's just like he does something good, and then they're like, they make something else up to criticize him with. What were your impressions of Goff previous to Detroit versus what you've seen over the past three years? Have you come around on Goff? Have you changed your opinion on him?
1: All right, so I think all of the trades changed their opinion. When you made the trade, Stafford for Goff, Lions got a couple of first-round picks as well. I think everybody looked at Jared Goff as this is the prototypical bridge quarterback. Sean McVay mm-hmm. doesn't want him. Why the hell do we want him? Like, we don't want Jared Goff. We want to use one of those first-round picks, and we want to draft the next great quarterback. Jared Goff had his time. He flamed out in Los Angeles. Nobody wants this guy. But a weird thing happened. Dan Campbell called him out his first season, said he's got to be better. And since being called out, I mean, he's been outstanding. If you go back and look at the two playoff games, he's got a 111 rating in both games. If you look at the season, he's got a 112 rating, I believe. He's leading one of the top five offenses in the game. And I think we all know that Goff has his limitations. Like, he is a guy that needs to be protected, like most quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. But if he's not protected, stuff breaks down around him. He's going to make really dumb decisions. And maybe, hopefully for Lions fans, you don't see that this weekend. But that is the book on Goff. But if you got a good O line, which the Lions do, and you got a whole lot of weapons as the Lions do, Jared Goff, if given time, can pick you apart. So your question was that people kind of turned their minds on him. I mean, I have, and I think people have as well. He's gone from a bridge quarterback to now you gotta pay him. Now you hope you're not breaking the bank for him. Mm -hmm. It's probably, what, 50 mil a year the top quarterbacks are getting. Do you have to pay that much? Lions have a whole lot of talent under the salary cap that they have to sign to with contracts coming up. But I I do think, yes, all of Detroit loves Jared Goff. Now, I'll tell you this, and you know this, like just like Brock Purdy, the second things go wrong, like if you guys lost that game on Saturday night, Niner fans everywhere would be like, get rid of this bum. Everything needs to be perfect. Same thing with Goff. If things go bad... On Sunday, which hopefully they don't for the Lions' sake, I don't think it's going to take long for Lions fans to turn on a guy like uh, Jared Goff.
0: Do you think Hendon Hooker is a threat to him if that happens?
1: I don't know. It's such a great question because you got him in the third round. You got him in the third round because he was injured. So he really hadn't played all season long. He wasn't practicing until the last three to four weeks. He never was a threat this year. Is he Mm -hmm. a threat next year? Goff is under contract regardless. Then you could franchise him another year. So I believe there's two schools of thought, okay? The one school of thought, which doesn't make any sense to me, is that you took Hendon Hooker to be your backup. You're not taking a backup in the third round. I I just don't think you are. The second school of thought is he will be the heir apparent to Jared Goff. Now, Brad Holmes has a fabulous track record, as we already talked about, with his draft picks. So I do believe that, yes, Brad Holmes, Dan Campbell, eventually think Hendon Hooker is the guy. I just don't think that's not anytime soon. And if you look at it from this standpoint, too, you have an offense that's clicking, an offense that's super dangerous. I don't know why you would want to rock the boat. Now, you're probably going to lose your O.C. and Ben Johnson. Mm -hmm. He's got a great she, if you will, with Jared Goff. So, maybe the next guy prefers Hendon Hooker, but for now, Goff's the guy. And for next year, without a doubt, Goff is the guy. All
0: right, as we look at the game, I guess I want to ask you first when you, as like somebody who covers the Lions and sees this team, you know, weekly, daily, what about the 49ers worries you the most going into
1: a this season? A lot. Game? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, um your your pass rush, obviously, Nick Bosa and company. Now, you're going against. A very good offensive line. One tackle in Taylor Decker is not giving up a sack in the postseason. He's given up nine total all season long. The right tackle, Panay Sewell, he's only given up three tackles all season long. I know Chase Young hasn't had a sack in four games. So I kind of feel that no matter how good the O line for Detroit is, the Niners will get home once or twice maybe three times, and that could wreak all kinds of havoc. So I think Lions fans worry about that. I think you also worry about Detroit's secondary. And Detroit's defense has been bend but don't break. And if you go back to November, they were getting lit up. They lost two or three games. People were freaking out. Since November, December and January, they're giving up 21, 22 points a game, which can win you games as long as you got a good offense like the Lions do. But kind of a startling stat for you. Of the remaining Final Four, the Ravens have the top-scoring defense in football. The Niners have the second-top-scoring defense in football. The Chiefs have the third, and the Lions are 24th. So Mm. one of these things obviously doesn't look like the other. So, yes, I worry about the Lions' secondary. I worry about their defense. I worry about your offense. But more than anything else, and maybe this is just me, but the Lions have taken out the Rams and Matthew Stafford, kind of a middling team that got really hot, right? They were a, yeah, a six Yeah, that's three. fair. Then they took out the Bucks, who won a division that nobody ever wants to win. And they got red hot. They won six to <laughs> seven down the stretch, right? They won the NFC South. Both those games were at Ford Field. So there is kind of a feeling, and I don't know if Lions fans share this with me, but it's what I believe. Those games, I don't want to say easier because that's not fair to Detroit, but they might have been a little lighter competition. Then they're going to see this weekend. So I think you add home game in Frisco, San Francisco, Santa Clara. I think you add a very good offense when Purdy is protected. He's dominant. And I think you worry about the Lions secondary. And can the Lions get home on Brock? And then the other side of things, will the Niners get home on Jared? So I think those are probably the things that worry me the most.
0: Yeah, and I'll throw a stat your way. The Niners only have two sacks in their last three postseason games. So they've actually had trouble Good. getting home lately. Yeah, so, but, or are they do. That's kind of the theme of this show we're well, going to talk about. I point. kind of feel like they might be due a little bit. But Niner fans are worried, and they're worried about Sewell and Decker and your and your line kind of neutralizing them.
1: And I well, guess, I,
0: I go ahead.
1: Well, the, the other thing, too, by the way, is Aiden Hutchinson's going against your right tackle. And I'm drawing a blank on his name right now. But he's not going to, he around yeah. Hutch does. Yeah, but, like, I I would assume he's not going to go against Trent Williams, right? And he's been eating sack-wise. He's got eight sacks in the last five games. He leads the postseason in pressures, and it's not even close to the second guy that has the second most. So I I think Aiden Hutchinson could be a guy that, if you get the Brock Purdy, make him feel a little uncomfortable, like we saw on Saturday night, that maybe Mm -hmm. things fall the Lions' way. The other thing, defensively for Detroit, while they're giving up a ton of yards through the air, they're getting gashed by Mike Evans. It was D, uh, Mike Evans, C D Lamb, uh, Justin Jefferson. I'm drawing a blank. There's one more. Uh, Puka Nakua from the Rams. They've been mm-hmm. giving up a ton of yardage. But in the process, they've also forced some turnovers. The secondary is getting turnovers. C.J. Garner-Johnson is back. Iffy mellon has been good for them. So, so it's kind of like we're going to bend and we hope not to break.
0: So I'm going to tell you what worries me about Detroit. And then I'm going yes. to ask you where I think they can. Montgomery and Gibbs scare the shit out of me. Because the Niners have trouble stop stopping running. the run. Yeah. And and just if you watched Aaron Jones last week, kind of getting off the edge, I'm just having nightmares of Gibbs getting an open space and breaking a 40, 50-yard run. Where What do you think, or where are some ways that you think Detroit can take advantage of the 49ers in this game?
1: So I think that's the top one. I really do. I think you're looking at a Lions team that is going to try to run the football, establish the run. And against San Francisco, I do think they're going to be successful with that offensive line. Panay Sewell is one of the best run blockers in America. The guy is an absolute beast. He's, he's sensational. Mm-hmm. So I do think you're going to be able to run the football. I think the goal will be to keep Purdy and your offense off the field. And hopefully, and they've done this. They've done this in the postseason. Put together soul-sucking drives that last five minutes six minutes, seven minutes and keep San Francisco's offense off the field and limit possessions. If you go back to the Rams game, the first playoff game, each team got eight possessions. The Lions scored on four of them. I think if you play that type of game, I think Detroit can win that type of game. I also think, and I don't know what Brock Purdy, you can tell me like how much the, the rain was a factor. I know he was, had the glove and, He didn't look like vintage Brock Purdy. Like I found myself thinking MVP for this guy. This conversation is crazy. And the Packers dropped a couple of picks. Mm -hmm. Will the same opportunity be presented to the lions? And I don't know that the Packers or or that the lions rather are going to drop those same opportunities. So I think those are the way that you beat the, the the Niners, but I think more than anything, you got to be able to run the football and the lions stopped the run as well. So they're going to do their best to stop the run and, Make Brock Purdy beat you. And if Debo doesn't play, and we've all heard the stat that your offense gets what, a yard less when Debo is not on the field? I think that bodes well for Detroit as well.